Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're from, wherever you are, whatever time zone, welcome, welcome, welcome as we enter the quorum. As we do in our tradition, we start by just welcoming and ushering the spirit of the living God and we give thanks and give praise. So join me, raise wherever you are, your clusters, home, embassies, wherever. Just lift up a voice, lift up a praise unto our Lord and our God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome in this place. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise. You are mighty and you might be praised. You are worthy and you are worthy to be praised. You are great and you are greatly to be praised. We thank you, Lord, for you are the one true God. You are high and lifted up. There is no God like you. We know you are the one true God. Before you, there was no God formed. After you, there will be no God that comes, O oh Lord. You are the Alpha Omega, beginning and end, first and the last. We thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We thank you because you have called us by your name. There is no name higher than your name, O oh God. You are Yahweh. You are El Shaddai, Adonai, El Elyon, El Roy, uh, the great God. You sit in the congregation, in the midst of the congregation of the gods. You, O oh Lord, are God all by yourself. You are in a category all by yourself. We give you thanks, O oh Lord. We come into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We come with a pure heart, O oh Lord. For who can ascend the hill of the Lord? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and all those that dwell in it. Lord, we humble ourselves tonight, God. King eternal, most wise God, there is none like you. You are indefectible. You are irresistible, immovable, immutable. You never change. You watch over your word to perform it. Father, in this session, Lord, as we look forward to hearing from you, as you look forward to understanding the wisdom of the mysterions of things held in the past. We thank you, Lord, because we know that you are God. You are God of order. A God of precision. Lord, we had two touch subjects. We had mental health and we had domestic abuse. Now we move on to how to hear from God. And may I be so bold as to say, Lord, given everything that you did and the price you paid, Lord, it is a form of abuse if we don't learn to hear from you, to hear from you. And it's great that we have Rev, your set man of the house of this tribe. And it's great to hear his experiences. But Lord, we know that you desire to speak to all and every one of us. Today, oh God, let this be the start of an encounter. 
let us prosecute let us prosecute the agenda of heaven Lord help us be the messengers on earth speak to us teach us how to license heaven and earth let us be your eyes your ears your mouth father speak to us we are your end time armies we are your end time armies lord since june the 16th 2021 we've been amassing every wednesday oh lord you know our heart you know this is our altar this is where we come to learn the things hidden. This is where we come to understand scripture. This is where we come to see Rhema revealed. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Come and hover over our lives and bring us to a higher order. Manda shata parabashide de bosha. Rakata papapatorobosha. Lord, the feedback from heaven was that there are some who can't pray that prayer where you say, Lord, Catalan, bound us because we are not ready. We are not ready. Let tonight be the starting point for that to be addressed. Lord, we want you to Catalan, bound us. We want you to apprehend us. We want to fulfill the thing that we were created for. We are answers to a solution for this generation, the dispensation. Ah, Sheba Torah, Mando Shika. La batete la somando skata radaba shetato kokore ketama la bashandai o kapa zebando sikete librokota manda shatatando rekita reketete teborobo shala matundo skata radaba shepapando sikete rokopopopota Manda ke daily brokotondo sidedebo le baba ba sekete Holy Spirit have your way come O Lord come and take your place reveal Jesus to us O Lord reveal Jesus Manda shekete te brokoto for those of us who are ankle deep Lord take us further into the Spirit let us be needy for those of us are needy Lord take us further let it be wasty for those who are wasted take us further let it be up to our necks and for those who know you that level lord take them further let them take them to where light dwells you said do you know where light dwells lord this is a time and season lord let us have a revelation the deep dimensions of the spirit things hidden for lord if the seraphims those that guard the throne of god can say holy 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 is the lord god almighty who is who was and is to come they never see your end and never see your beginning lord how much more us earthen vessels lord reveal yourself oh god let us know you let us understand the different dimensions and ways you talk to us father we bless your holy name we bless your holy name in jesus name amen
Father, we bless your name, O God. You are worthy and you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy and you are worthy to be praised. You are glory and you're clothed in splendor. You reside in light, O God, unapproachable. There is no shadow of variation. Manda sekete li brada bashanda rada baba ba sekete te lababando shede kuta makata baraba shande de rototondo skatai manda rabando skatai le baba bando sekala baba ba ragada basha maka ikoroboshketai letatando shababa sokoro kuta Mande setete lubrokotando shandiribu Radababa shataparabakata Rakata Mokototonde libradaba shandede Reka lebrokota Makata parabasha Radababa sotorabadebush Lababa seketeta Rokobaba rekatama lubukotai Zedabababa libatata rokota Makalibrokoto reketete liba shatala baba sokoto redabushkata mande shakaila bradaba shetendo debo rekete libro radaba shatala ba rokototondo rakata manda shadaba baba raba shata totokotai in Jesus name. And Father, we give you glory tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your dealings with us. Thank you for the word that you are about to unveil. We honor you. Not just with our lips, but with our hearts. We honor you. We honor you. We honor you. Tonight, Lord, bring wisdom, bring insight, bring clarity, bring understanding. In all we do, we honor. Activate someone's faculties of hearing from you tonight. Purge and purify someone's polluted faculties of hearing from you tonight. Let the desire of Moses come to pass. 
that all God's people be prophetic. We thank you. We bless you. We worship and adore you. In the precious name of Jesus. Somebody put those hands together for the Lord this evening. Welcome, welcome everybody to the quorum on a Wednesday. We can bring that down a little bit. It is uh, not just any Wednesday, it is a special Wednesday because we are now knee deep in our Pentecost consecration journey. Uh, here at Kingdom Culture Movement, we call them consecration journeys. You may call them fasting and prayer uh, uh, seasons. Um, and we are and we, we we tie at least each each of the three major feasts of the lord in addition to others we do about five or six a year but passover pentecost and atonement we definitely do one in each of the three uh this month interestingly is a very interesting month it so happened to be the month of my birth uh make of that what you want and we can take that completely of tony also if i'm not mistaken from the 7th of june till the 14th of June, somewhere around the world, someone in kingdom culture was born on each day from the 7th to the 18th. So as a family, this is the royal birth month, uh, if we may say so ourselves. Yeah, somebody squeezing their face. Tony, you were born a month too late, sorry. <laughs> um, but one of the interesting things about this month is, uh, we talked before about the fact that while the Gregorian calendar and the modern world count months by the solar calendar which is uh, january february march april may june that the hebrew culture and most of the cultures of the world in the far east or the middle east at that time counted months according to the lunar cycle and so the hebrew month in fact the word month in the hebrew kodesh literally means moon and so for the hebrew uh and for the bible culture a month began with a new moon now, once in a while, those two calendars kind of overlap. And this is interesting because this month, uh, the new moon that began the new Hebrew month, the month Sivan, uh, showed up at past noon, half past noon on the 30th of, 30th of May. And of course, we know that the 1st of June is the Gregorian new month. And so this is about as close as it gets most of the time to when a Gregorian month and a Hebrew month pretty much are overlaid. Uh, and by no pre-intent, simply by the providence and coincidence of God, we began our consecration journey on the 30th of May, in essence, on the exact day as the new moon. I am not, you can't pay me enough to believe that that was a coincidence, especially when you factor in the prophetic traffic that we received all the way back last year as to the significant of this month, both Hebrew and Gregorian, in the dealings of the Lord. Uh, God said loud and clear, and I was joking with God the other day. I said, Lord, never before perhaps has a prophetic word I have uttered been so cut and dry to where my reputation could rise and fall based on its manifestation. Actually, that's not true. There have been a few. But I, I, I remember, and I'm bold, and I told God I'd rather, I'd rather sink my reputation believing in your goodness and try and preserve it, hedging my bets. And the Lord began to share with me last year, as I shared with many of us, that this month of June would mark a prophetic shift in the calendar from Erev evening to Bokar for many across the body of Christ. 
but especially us in this community of faith called Kingdom Culture. And that starting from this month, over the next few months, God is going to begin to lay a foundation for a decade of emergence and manifestation. And I, for one, cannot tell you how much excitement I feel in my spirit. Where is my stylus? Okay, there it is. How much excitement I feel in my spirit. I know that I know that I know. I, I am beyond uh, 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 reasoning out of this knowledge that God is beginning the process of shifting several of us into the fullness of his inheritance for us. And we've been praying into it every day since Monday. Uh, if you are watching right now, today we are broadcasting on two different YouTube channels. One is the Prayer Culture Apostolic Hub. The other one is the Kingdom Culture Channel because all week we've been praying for the consecration journey on the Apostolic Hub, Prayer Culture Apostolic Hub channel and we didn't want anybody there to wonder where we were. Uh, but we've been praying every day, 6.30 in the morning, seven, uh, 12 noon in the afternoon, 7 p.m. in the evening, all UK times. And on Tuesday and Friday, so just yesterday we were there for the first one, and on Friday for the press at 11 p.m. UK time. The energy is lit. I mean, there is a, there is a flow of just, I don't know how to explain it, divine energy. Because the time to favor Zion, the set time, has come. And the Bible says that we must ask for rain, Tony, in the time of the latter rain. And so we are asking for rain, and the rain is already beginning to fall. As we pray this morning, God is about to do things that will make some of us weep for joy and say, this joy is too much. And perhaps, again, it was not planned when God laid this on my heart. We were going to do this last month, and then at the last minute, we felt the urge to go with the mental health series first. But here we are starting the mini-series on how to hear God in the month of Bukhar. Who would have thought? Because, and hear me by the Spirit, I have learned over the course of my walk with the Lord that perhaps the number one ingredient in the fulfillment of divine destiny is the ability and the practice of the discipline to hear in the voice of the Lord. In fact, I shared with you a few months ago my approach to discipleship apostolically. Once you get a person saved, the first thing you want to do is teach them how to connect with God for themselves. Everything else will flow. If you can teach a man or a woman how to come to the Lord and receive insight and revelation, but also rebuke, correction, and guidance from him. 90% of everything else you want to teach him will flow naturally. And it is one of the travesties of our generation, hear me, that we have presented a gospel and a potential faith in the Lord that is prosecutable, devoid of having regular, intimate fellowship and communication with him. The average evangelical Christian knows the phrase by now that we don't have a religion, right? We have a relationship. So what good is a relationship, Tony, if you can't talk or relate with the person you have a relationship with? And as I was sharing with someone in my team recently 
oh, I, I do believe in theology. I am a student. I'm a scholar. Be believe it or not, I, I, I don't just prophesy and speak in tongues. I read my Bible and I have studied far and wide into church history, contemporary classical and classical Christianity. And I believe in the creed sola scriptura. I just, in essence, scripture only. I just wish for those who use that phrase to justify a watered-down version of our faith. For their sake, I wish the Bible, the scriptures did not include many of the things that they try to write out of it. Because the scripture seems to be clear, as I'll show you starting today, this will be a three-part series. The scripture seems to be clear on the fact that a viable two-way communication relationship with God beyond just the written word was the order of the day in the Old and New Testament. Let me repeat. The Bible is full of examples of men and women who walked with God and heard his voice, not just by reading what existed of the Bible in their day. I want to repeat that. The Bible, you get it, Tony. The Bible is full of, of a plethora of examples of men and women who could communicate with God in other ways but just reading what existed of scripture in their day because by definition the entire bible did not exist in the days of the bible because what we read as the bible today is was written by and was the history of men and women who lived before it was written but even the parts of scripture that existed at certain points in scripture were not the sum total of how men and women communicated with God. And so the creed, sola scriptura, in essence, God cannot talk to you any other way but the Bible, is not biblical according to the Bible itself. Can I get a witness, somebody? We will also deal with the myth about the emotional fallacy called peace. In discerning, that's my favorite, that's the favorite ox I want to go this week or this series. Some of you will never use that phrase again, except you're using it the biblical way. And so, by the grace of God, my desire or my, what's the word I'm looking my agenda in this, in this series is to establish a few things. Number one. A clear script, you can write this down if you want. And Chrissy, well, actually, if anybody, I'm not sure if, Chrissy, I'm not sure if you are with me online, but if you are, you can help me out or anybody else. Uh, what we want to accomplish by this series, number one, a clear scriptural basis for the fact that every believer should and must be able to hear from God themselves. I want you to have no doubt that it is the biblical birthright and may I say requirement that every child of God be able to communicate with their father and their God. That's number one. That, every, that establish a biblical case for the fact that every believer should and must be able to communicate with God. Number two. Establish the biblical patterns and ways that a believer, thank you, Chrissy, can 
and should communicate with God. If we establish it's biblical, then let's establish from the Bible what are the prescribed ways in which that should happen. Number three, deal with the myths and errors that have crept into the body of Christ that surround the topic or the area of hearing the voice of God or hearing or being able to communicate with God. Number four, build a desire and a passion in you that cannot be quenched. Oh, I've been told to slow down. Okay. So, uh, Chrissy, let me know what you want me to repeat. Sorry, I was just uh, carried away by the flow. Number three again. Tony, what was number three? Deal with myths, errors, and misconceptions that have been handed down over successive generations that have corrupted our understanding of how and the entire topic of hearing God and communicating with him. Number four, what was number four, Tony? Build a desire, a passion. So now that we've established the biblicality of it, I want you to leave this series obsessed in a godly way with being able to communicate with God. Obsessed in a godly way. I want, I want you to go past the point where anybody can talk you out of it with, with enticing words of religion. If they don't want to hear God, if they don't want to pay the price to hear God, if they're okay living a so-called Christian life without the ability to connect with the God of their faith, that's their problem. But I want you to leave this series with nobody ever being able to convince you or, or, or placate you with a watered-down version of your faith where you cannot communicate with the God of your faith. That was number four. Oh, you want number four again? Let me repeat. With a passion and a godly obsession to be able to communicate with him that no one can take away from you by religious argument. Did you get that? And number five, and this will, as we go in the series, part two and part three, we'll do more of this. I want to activate in you that faculty. Uh, I humbly believe that one of the callings and the offices I've been called to walk in by the Lord is that of the prophet. And with that office comes uh, an ability to activate prophetic faculties in others who have a viable relationship and covenant with the Lord. And I've been privileged to see that happen over the years where either directly or indirectly, either intentionally or just by, by a byproduct, men and women who have walked with me in life and ministry have seen that faculty activated. And I want to see that activated in you so you can go and do the same for others. I want to see some people who are called to the office of the prophet begin to be called or activated into that office. And even for those who are not called to the office, the Bible says in the book of Joel chapter 2, that in the last days, all the sons and daughters of God will have, or all the sons and all flesh, sorry, will have the Spirit of God poured upon them. And those who are sons and daughters will prophesy. So all flesh will have the Spirit poured. 
and those in correct covenant relationship will see the activation of prophetic faculties. And if we can accomplish those five things, I will count this next three weeks as successful and profitable. We, so, okay, thank you, Tony. When we do achieve those five things, I will count these three weeks that are about to ensue as successful and profitable. And the people of God said, Amen. All right, get your Bibles out with me tonight. And as usual, uh, even though I like to quote-unquote mock those who abuse that Latin phrase, you know that I do believe in sola scriptura. And so everything that we do in this series, like every other one, will be tied to scripture, excuse me, that your faith may rest not in the enticing words of a man's wisdom, but in the manifestation of the spirit and power. If you wonder why I keep adjusting my hat, the more weight you lose, the less your hat fits. So I think I need a new set of hats. I need to, re I need to change not just my body wardrobe, but my headgear wardrobe because they all be spinning around now because the head is a bit slimmer. Uh, and yes, the Bible does say that anybody who doesn't take care of the temple of God, God will judge. And your body is his temple, so look after it. Right, let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And as always... Uh, but perhaps more so on the first week of each of these series, uh, we will take our time to establish a case from Scripture. Having established the foundations of that case, we can begin to move more quickly. Uh, but for those of you for whom this is not new at the beginning of every quorum series, for some of you who are not in doubt about the, the very foundations of the scriptural case, who may be like, let's go quickly, let's go quickly. Well, remember, this is a classroom, and some of your, your co-students are not as versed as you are. So let's take our time uh, to move at a pace that everybody can track with. And then when we all have a clear, common foundation, then we can take our flight and begin to soar. Hebrews chapter 1. This is, hear me, an epistle. Remember, when we read the Bible, you must understand it was written thousands of years ago to people with a culture that are thousands of miles from you. And so you must read it, first of all, before on trying to break it down for yourself in your context. You must first understand it in the context of those to whom it was written and from whom it was written. But secondly, remember, the Bible is not homogeneous. Every part of the Bible cannot be read or understood the same way as every other part of the Bible. And so this is an epistle. Someone say an epistle. It is a letter written from an apostle to a church that he, while did not plant in this case, felt an apostolic burden for. Secondly, these are all Christians, you must understand, because it's written to a church. Thirdly, these are Hebrew Christians. These are men and women who have both a Judaistic legacy and a Christian or Christocentric legacy. 
the book of Hebrews, in my opinion, is the richest epistle because Paul is writing to people who get the shadow and the reality. Paul is writing to an audience who understands both the Old and the New Testament. Paul is writing, in essence, the, the, the recipient of the epistle of the Hebrews is an example of what every Christian should aspire to. To where not only do you have the reality of the new covenant, you understand the typology and the shadow of the old. And that's important to keep in mind as we go through it. So let's go through it. God who has at sundry times, what sundry means several, and in diverse manners, it means several different, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet. Sundry times, diverse manners. Somebody say sundry times. You could say that in the comment section. Somebody say diverse manners. In essence, this is not a God who has a speech impediment. No, you can laugh, Tony. It's all right. This is not a God with a speech impediment. This is not a dumb and deaf God. This is not a God whose tongue is tied. And this is not a God who is shy about expressing himself. He at sundry times, several times, and diverse manners. Now, we're going to deal with that next week about the diverse manners because when we start to deal with how he talks or how we must hear him, it gets a bit interesting. But for today, let it suffice to know that he at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past. That is important because... When he was speaking in time past, there was no salvation, there was no Holy Spirit, there was no contract with the believer to be reestablished in the hierarchy of God's dealings with man as his image. Man had not been restored to the pre-fall state of Adam and Eve, and yet he at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke unto the fathers by the prophets. So we see that he spoke to people and through people. That's important. To people and through people. Now this is where me and the cessationists part ways. Hath in these last days spoken unto us. Someone say unto us. So he didn't stop speaking. Paul is writing this after the death of Jesus. He didn't say in those last days. He said in these. If I say this or these, it means I'm including the one I am currently in. Those people excludes me. Excludes the ones around me. These people include, in essence, I'm saying there is a present connection with the people I'm talking about. 
Those days means the ones that passed or the ones in the future. These days includes the one I am in. If Paul is saying this after Jesus had died, it means he wasn't just talking about the words Jesus spoke while he was alive. He's spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Someone say God is a speaking God. Miracle, you're right, present continuous tense. Someone say God is a speaking God. Say it in the comment section. Say, God is a speaking God. All right, let's move on to another verse. Let's go to the book of Revelation. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You know, I just love the Lord when he begins to talk. Um, sometimes I be having conversations on the pulpit with him. It's interesting, Holy Spirit. You, you're, you're just, you're just, you're just amazing. You're, 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 you're the real MVP. First Timothy chapter one. Oh, sorry. Let's let's put this on the screen. First Timothy, chapter one. Just enjoying a conversation with my elder brother. Ura sekunande. Before we go to Revelation, let's go to First Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter 4, sorry. Verse 1. Now, I don't think I need to remind us all that when you see the capital S in front of Spirit in the Bible, we're talking about the member of the Godhead called the Holy Spirit. It says, now the Spirit speaks what? Expressly. Someone say expressly. Someone say expressly. Let's look at that. We know. Let's let's shift over to the blue letter Bible dog so we can look at that word in the Greek. Oh, thank you, Jesus. First Timmy, verse four. Right. Let's look at the word expressly. Come on. There we go. It's the word retos from which you get the English word rhetoric. Retos means expressly or in express words an adverb from a derivative of that word 4483 we'll look at that in a second it means outspokenly or distinctly someone say outspokenly or distinctly in essence one he's not shy and secondly he doesn't leave what he's saying except in very rare cases, to ambiguity. The root word is the word rio, which means to pour forth. Someone say to pour forth. To utter, to gush. I, I, are, you, are you getting this? 
he's not shy and he's not reserved when he decides to speak. Let's go to the Old Testament. Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. And I believe we want to be somewhere near verse 18 or 19. And now I have taught and I believe and I agree. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being contradictive here. As we see actually a few verses before, if I'm not mistaken, it's this chapter. Yes, that God says he is a God that hides himself. Isaiah 45, 15. True. Nowhere does it say he's a God who hides his voice. It is himself, in essence, he puts himself behind a veil to make it clear who is worthy of an audience with him by who is ready to pursue him. He withdrew from Hezekiah to show what was in his heart. Having found him, the Bible does not teach anywhere that for those who pursue and find him, that he's interested in hiding his voice. Verse 45, 19, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Somebody say Bible. Somebody say Bible. Let's go to Numbers chapter 12. Let's look at his testimony about the man Moses. Now you can argue Moses was a special prophet. Well, the Bible says Jesus is a prophet as unto Moses. Moses was an example of a pre-incarnate messianic typology. You and I in the New Testament are called the bride and the body of Christ. I present to you that Moses is an example of what God wants every New Testament believer to be. I'll show you in a second. But let's come here first. Numbers chapter 12. Let's start from verse 5. Now, if you know the story, Moses, Miriam, and Aaron have had an argument where Miriam and Aaron have told Moses, we too can hear God. So even in the Old Testament, hearing God was in the preserve of a few preachers. But then God says, I want to show you guys something. In verse 5, he says, the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud 
and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. Pause. God came, see, now, the Bible could simply have said God called them. But there's a graphic picture being, being, being laid here. He came down. Someone say down. He stood in the door. And he called them. And they answered. This was not taking it by faith. He then said, hear now my words. So it is possible for a man to hear words. Someone say words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision. So visions are how God interacts with you and I will speak unto him in a dream. Dreams are how God communicates with you. What's the difference, sir? I'm glad you asked. You can have a vision of the night and a dream of the day. A vision or a dream is not dependent on what time on the clock it happened. If you interact with an entity, God or demonic, it is a vision. In essence, if there was a representation of a sentient being that you were interacting with, it is a vision. If it simply was a picture or like a video, you, in essence, you saw something that was designed to communicate to you a piece of information, it was a dream. Pharaoh had a dream. He saw cows eating cows and, and, and corn eating corn. There was no sentient spirit being he was interacting with. He saw, a he saw something play out before his eyes that was a message, that's a dream. Abraham at night saw a lamp walking in the midst of animals that he caught. And the Bible calls that a vision of the night. In essence, he was interacting with a being that is a vision. Does that make sense? You can daydream and night vision. But God says, if there is a prophet among you, I will make myself known unto him. I will make my and this is old testament by the way here and i will speak unto him in a dream he then goes further in verse 7 to say my servant moses is not so who is faithful in all my house meaning even above that there's another level with him will i speak mouth to mouth even apparently and not in dark speeches and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Shall he behold. The, let's look, now let's look at the phrase mouth to mouth. In the Hebrew. Holy Spirit help me. The word mouth is the word pay. Mouth, L, mouth. Pay, L, pay. First of all, let's look at the word L. It's a very interesting word. Right? Now, it's, this is not the word Elohim here. It's, it's pronounced differently. It means unto or of motion. Two words in sense of a direction, not necessarily physical motion. 
concerning between. A primitive particle denoting motion to, but occasionally use of equation. <laughs> Strongs, come on. Not everybody here went to, to university to study English. The point I'm trying to make is the next sentence. Thank you. They've clarified it because I was trying to find how to explain it because I, I, I do know what it means, but I was trying to make sure you saw it yourself. It talks about proximity. Someone say proximity. It means in close proximity. Now let's look at the word mouth is what pay. If you're a prophetic student, you've heard this word before. If you listen to the, the series on uh, understanding the prophetic two years ago, you remember this word. The word pay means a mouth as an organ of speech. Whether literally or figuratively, literally or figuratively referring to, let's summarize this, the organ of speech. Now, I would have said, if I was the writer of Numbers, that God spoke to Moses mouth to ear. That would seem to make sense, right? But the Bible says mouth to mouth. It means there was a two-way conversation going on. Ah. Secondly, when God was speaking to Moses, he was putting his words in Moses' mouth. And the two mouths, the Bible says, according to that word L, were in extremely close proximity. Okay, let's jump back to the new. I'm just, just, just dialogue, Natalia. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm just laying a few foundations. Okay. Now let's see. Now you say, well, you know, the Bible says if it's a prophet, so unless you're a prophet, God won't reveal himself and speak to you. Okay, slow your horses. Let's move back just one chapter. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers 11. Now, God tells Moses to anoint certain people to bear the burden with him. He calls for an ordination. Two of them don't show up at the ordination, but the Spirit of God hits them in the camp, and they begin to prophesy. Everybody needs a Joshua in their life. Somebody who's so jealous for you, they won't let people abuse you. Every leader needs a Joshua in their life. And I have a few. And Joshua says, Moses Edad, this is verse 27, Ildad and, Me, well, yes, Ildad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men said, my Lord Moses forbid them. Everybody look at verse 29, please, and you can read it out where you are. And Moses said unto him, envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets. Let's see that in a slightly different translation, a more English-friendly translation. Numbers 11.29, the New American Standard Bible. Are you jealous for my sake, if only all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them? Pause. 
Moses, first of all, is giving you his desire. We call this in theology the desire of Moses. The man who was the premier prophet of his day understood that it was God's ultimate desire that all God's people were prophets. The one who could hear God was saying he wished everyone could hear God. But then secondly, he ties everyone being quote-unquote prophetic to God pouring his spirit upon them. That's important because you then get to Joel chapter 2. Let's go there. And it says Moses is connecting all God's people being quote-unquote prophets. The Hebrew literally means prophetic with the Lord pouring his spirit or putting his spirit upon all of them. In Joel chapter 2, we do see a promise for that to happen. Joel 2.28, it will come to pass or come about after this that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind, semicolon, meaning when this happens, your sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will have dreams, young men will see visions. Why? The old men can be trusted with dreams because the Bible says in the New Testament, I write to you fathers because you have... Uh, okay, let, let, me, let me leave that alone. I'll come to that next week. Anyway, old men will have dreams. Let's just accept that old men will have dreams because they can be trusted to have met God in the past. And young men will see visions because he'll be introducing himself to them. And on the male and female servants, pause. This is important because no Israelite was permitted to have another Israelite as a slave. No Israelite was permitted to hold another Israelite into service or bondage in perpetuity. And so if God was pouring it out upon sons and daughters and servants and handmaids as well, it meant majority of them were going to be people who at the time of this prophecy would not be accepted by the Jews as being quote and unquote Hebrews. God was saying this is going to go beyond the house of Israel. In essence, all mankind. Are you with me? Let's now go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Let's see what Peter has to say about Joel chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, let's start from verse, let's see now, this is the day of Pentecost, you know, and this is a great time because this is the week of Pentecost we are in right now, hence the Pentecost consecration journey. So this is a great time to key into this. And Peter's standing up with the 11. Now this is after the Holy Spirit was poured out. Christ had died and resurrected and the Holy Ghost had been poured out. In essence, this satisfies even the most strict criteria for what any scholar would refer to as the New Testament. Christ has lived and died. 
been buried and resurrected, ascended on high, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is as new as the New Testament gets. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it, but it is the third hour of the seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that. Somebody say this is that. So Peter said, as at fifty days after Jesus died and resurrected, that Joel's prophecy was fulfilled. It shall come to pass in the last day, says God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and on the servants and handmaids I will pour out. Now pause, notice here he now says on my servants and handmaids. I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. If you tie Acts 2, Joel 2, and Numbers 11, it's clear. And then Numbers 12, that every person who has access to the outpouring of the Spirit in salvation has access to the faculty of the prophetic. Are you with me? Let's take it a step deeper. Numbers 11, sorry, John 12. John chapter 12, chapter 10, sorry, not 12, 10. Let's see what Jesus has to say about this, shall we? John 10, verse 27. My sheep... In case you still believe, well, that, that, that's only for profit. Okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll, we'll cede you that argument, even though you're wrong, but we'll let you have that argument for the sake of this one. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Tony, does it get any less convoluted than this? My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. When I read this verse this way two decades ago, Tony, it, it created a violent rebellion in me. Now, there are two things, if you, if you take, if you are a sola scriptura person, good. Now let's deal with sola scriptura. If you take this at face value, you are left with one of two reasonable responses. Either a defeatist mentality that says, well, since I can't hear his voice, I must not be his sheep, so I, must just, I should just quit this whole Christian charade charade the second is i know i am his sheep so i am upset angry and cheated that i don't seem to be able to hear his voice 
I propose to you the correct one is the second. Let's go deeper in the Greek here. You know, I really could have just started with this verse, but I wanted to. But this alone would have done it, wouldn't it? Except for the fact that no verse is of private interpretation. So we laid the other ones to make sure that this is not dismissed as an isolated one. The word here is the word akuo in the Greek. Akuo means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, not deaf. To attend to, to consider what is or has been said. To understand and perceive the sense of what is said. To hear something. To perceive by the ear what is announced in one's presence. To get by hearing. To learn a thing that comes to the ear. To give ear to a teaching. To comprehend or understand. In essence, it encompasses both the technology of hearing and the skill to discern clearly what is being heard. Let me repeat. Akuo refers to both the technology of hearing. In essence, if you are deaf, then you cannot hear. That's half of Akuo. Not being deaf. Being, in essence, your ears work. But you, your ears can work and you don't understand. In essence, sound can be reaching you. A dog can hear. It needs to be trained what the words you are saying mean. The first time you tell a puppy sit, it does not sit because it doesn't understand what you mean by sit. So Jesus is saying, endowed in the technology of every believer is the ability to process auditory information from him, but also to comprehend and understand what is being said. My sheep hear my voice. Let's look at the word voice. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's the word phone. Are the keys on? Good. Just checking because I thought I, maybe I'm hearing, I'm hearing the melody of angels because I'm hearing something. I just wanted to be sure that I, it wasn't okay because I'm hearing, I'm hearing a very interesting musical progression now phone means for which you get what phone francophone means french speaking anglophone english speaking telephone what you use to talk to people does that make sense phone voice sound noise abroad a sound a tone a voice the sound of uttered words a language or a tongue now the definition through the idea of disclosure a tone or by implication an address a saying or a language Again, the same way Akuo is in two parts. The ability to process auditory information, but also the ability to discern what is being said. Phone also is in two parts. Naomi, I'm a try, ma'am. I'm a try, daughter. Phone is also in two parts. It means the ability to make a sound, but also the intelligence of what is being said. So Jesus is saying, if you are my sheep, there is wired into you the technology to receive auditory impute from the spirit realm, 
but also to clearly discern what is being said because I will be speaking, both making a sound, but also passing clearly unambiguous information. So if Yeshua is your shepherd, it means he will be speaking as we saw expressly. The spirit speaks expressly. In essence, the speaking would not be rationed and it would not be obscure what is being said. It is the right and ability, the latent ability, it must be developed of every believer to not just be able to connect and communicate with God, but to be able to break it down clearly. Someone say clearly. Meaning don't be satisfied just to be able to hear God every once in a while. There should be no issue of frequency. But then secondly, don't be satisfied with having, like the man who Jesus healed from blindness. He said, I see men as trees. Now, if you've been blind, being able to see men as trees is a great achievement, isn't it? Jesus says, mm -mm, no, come back. We want it to be clear. Someone say clear. Unambiguous. Now, let's move forward. Now that we have hopefully established, and I could go on. I, I mean, I could go on. Actually, let me, let me give you one more. Genesis chapter 1. I don't think anything gets any more foundational than Genesis chapter 1. Right? Anything you find in Genesis chapter 1 is foundational to the human experience. Or how God wants us to understand the human experience. Genesis chapter 1, 2 and parts of 3 are heaven or the Bible showing us what God intended for man before man fell. Christ died to bring us back to that original intent and beyond. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. We dealt with that last year in the quorum. In essence, man was designed to be from the same material and function the same way and likeness. And we know that God is both a speaking and a hearing God. Verse 28 says, and God blessed them. And what? Tony, read that next verse for me. And that next phrase for me. Genesis 1.28. Come and take a microphone. I want them to hear it in somebody else's voice. Genesis 1.28. I do. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful. God, thank you, sir. God blessed them and said unto them. I don't know about you, but I'm not in the habit of speaking to things that can't hear me. Mm -hmm. 
God said unto them. Now what he said is important, but for the purpose of this, 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 this teaching, it's not as important as just understanding that he said unto them. Then in verse 29, he said, Behold, I have given you. So he's talking to them, right? And then we get to Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2 again. Let's move over to Genesis chapter 2. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Genesis chapter 2. The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, breathing to his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There was a specific, I don't know if it's the Darby Bible or the Durham's Bible. One of them says another speaking spirit in the class of God, but we digress. And then in verse 15, God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded. Now, commanded the man saying, someone say saying. Now, this was God's will before sin messed it up. God commanded the man saying. Now, it would not be a valid instruction if God knew the man did not hear. So it seemed to be normal for Adam to hear the voice of God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Now we've dealt with the fact that this word serpent, the hash, is talking about a spirit being. We flogged that to death over the last year. It's not a physical snake. This spirit being spoke to Eve. And notice the Bible doesn't say, Tony, Eve ran away. There is no reference to any suggestion that this was an uncommon occurrence to be speaking with a spirit being. The woman said unto the serpent, Now, the serpent asks a question Has God said? The question was, Woman, did you guys hear God? Did God talk to you? And the woman answers in the affirmative. Eve says, yes, God did tell us. Because God does speak. You go further down. After they have fallen. Listen, even after the fall of man. This is after they have fallen. Verse three, chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Even after they fell. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Verse 9, and the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, where are you? And Adam said back to God, meaning he heard God clearly, 
processed and understood what God was saying and then responded to God intelligently in a way God understood. Because God then responded and says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you? Again, God is repeating the fact that he spoke to man. And Adam says, yes, I know you told me. But the woman that you gave me, you know, this is the beginning of men blaming their wives for stuff they should take responsibility for. We're all in good company. Uncle Adam was like that. And the Lord said unto the woman. So not only was Adam able to hear God, the woman who was taken from his ribs was able to hear God. What is this you have done? And he must have said it in a way so clear that she responds clearly, the serpent beguiled me and I ate. When he is given punishment, verse 16, he said unto the woman, I'll multiply your sorrow, blah, blah, blah. Verse 17, he said unto Adam, because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife. Someone say clear communication. And then verse 22, he said, behold the man, meaning he was talking to entities who were not Adam and Eve. And the Bible uses the same language to speak about how God spoke to humanity, about how he's speaking to members of the non-human race. Verse 23, therefore the Lord sent him forth from the garden, meaning he told Adam, leave this place. And Adam understood it clearly enough to go. There is nothing ambiguous about this communication, is there? Ma'am, you're right, Padge. It wasn't peace Adam was feeling. There was a clear voice. Now, Shay, we're going to come, Shay, we're going to come to that next week. But yes, God does speak to people who can't hear him. Because it's one thing for God to speak and another thing for us to hear. But we'll deal with that next week. There's a student, there's always one student in every class who's ahead of the class. And that's you, Shay. Congratulations. So obviously, God stopped talking with Adam and Eve when they fell. Well, in Genesis 4, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare a son. Then she bare Abel. Listen, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought Abel the fruit of the ground. So Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to God, and Abel brought of the first things of his flock. Listen, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had no respect. However, God showed the respect. It was in a language clear enough for Cain to know God had rejected his sacrifice. Cain knew that God had accepted Abel's sacrifice and had rejected Cain's. It was clear. And in, verse four, in verse, chapter 4, verse 6, the Lord said unto Cain, why are you wroth? Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? So the son of the people who fail also can hear God's voice. You know the story, Cain went and killed Abel. And in verse 4, verse 9, the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And Cain had the audacity, the effrontery, 
as my friend Richard will say, the right and even the wrong, to respond and say, am I my... So there is a... Can you see this clearly? This is post-fall, pre-salvation in Jesus Christ. And God says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood, your, blood, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. He then pronounces a curse on Cain. And in verse 13, Cain says back to God, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth. In essence, Cain understood clearly what God was saying. This could not just have been a sign. Ah, she, see, Shay, Shay, why are you doing this, my sister, my brother, whoever you are? Shay, slow down. That's next week. You're right. Spirits don't speak English or French, as you've heard me say several times. So we must understand how to speak their language true. You're right. You got it. But, but slow down for the rest of the class. The point I'm making, Shay, is this. Whatever means God was speaking in, a human being was able to discern it so clearly that he could repeat back to God the specifics of what God was saying. Can you get it now? It is possible to learn the language of the Spirit so concisely and, and, and fluently that you can, you can repeat back to God the minutiae of what he said and then negotiate with him about the pieces of what he said you don't like. For the sake of time, let me, let, let me, let me just try and move on from here. Ezekiel heard God say, eat human feces. And heard God clearly enough to be able to argue back and say, God, can I eat animal feces instead? As I heard God clearly enough to know that God was asking him to walk around naked. Hosea heard God clearly enough to know to marry a prostitute. Abraham heard God clearly enough to know to offer his son. And God told him, "On at the place I will show you. The Old Testament is littered with examples of men who had conversations with God that were so detailed that seemingly trivial pieces of information were included. Abimelech, a pagan king, was told, the reason your family is in trouble is the woman you took. Take her back to her husband. He's a prophet. He will pray for you. In the New Testament... God speaks to a man called Ananias and says, go to the street called Straight. There is a man there called Saul who is waiting for you. Ananias says, God, this is the book of Acts. Have you, let's go there, let's go there, let's go there. I'm, I'm trying to run, but I just, like I told you, I need to break this down from scripture at the foundation. No one can leave tonight with an argument about this. Let's come to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9. 
Acts 9, Acts 9, Acts 9, Nande Tori Prade. Shuria Babaria Kunanze Vedidiate. So, first of all, Paul is traveling to Damascus. Paul is traveling to Damascus. And the Bible says, suddenly there shone around about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Someone say he heard. Someone say he heard. Someone say he heard. Now, for those that say, well, this was an audible voice, so God was just talking in them. Okay, well, let, let's go down a bit further. Acts chapter 9 verse 7 says, The men which journeyed with him stood speechlessly, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So not only did Saul hear, the people with him also heard a voice. Okay. Now, listen. Let's go back. And he said back to the voice, meaning he heard this with clarity. Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now, help me out. If Paul had any doubt as to the authenticity of what he was hearing, do you think he would have fallen for this? This is a man who is on his way to arrest people who say they believe in the same Jesus. This experience must have been so real and clear to him that it changed his life from persecuting the believers of Christ to becoming a believer in Christ. I am Jesus whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me do? And the Lord said unto him, listen, arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what you must do. This is very similar to Abraham. I was going to show you, but I looked at the time. How the Bible says, and the Lord had said unto Abraham, come out from your father's house and your country and your people and go to a land that I will show you. Tony, do you have any idea how crazy you must be to go to start a journey saying, when I get there, something will tell me. If you are not clear that you heard the voice of the something before you started. Abraham heard that voice so clearly that he had enough faith to know that when the voice spoke to him again, he would know. If, if he had a feeling to leave, how would he trust a feeling to know when he got there? Go into the city, it shall be told thee what you must do. And a man who up until this point was against this same voice's owner, obeyed why because he heard clearly someone say clearly Saul rose from the earth when his eyes were open he saw no man but he led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus notice he didn't tell them to bring him to Damascus you know why the Bible says they heard a voice the men with him heard the voice saying go into the city he was three days without sight and he fasted for three days. Now we're going to get to this in week three. How to enhance your ability to hear the voice of the Lord. And one of the ways is fasting. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. If you're going to hear God's voice clearly, you will fast. Mm -hmm. Someone say, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you will fast, you will fast. Mm -hmm. All right, let's keep going, let's keep going. 
Now let me actually take the time. Okay, I'll do my best. Y'all don't mind me here till midnight. I'm only joking. But you know, you know, if you allow me, I can preach till midnight. I, I can preach six, seven, ten hours if you allow me. But, but we'll be done at nine or thereabouts, as usual. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus called Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Pause. So we now start to see some of the ways in which God can speak. In a what? A vision. Next week we're going to look at the seven or eight ways biblically you can hear God's voice. He said, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. What does this remind us of? Samuel, in the book of Samuel, chapter 1 and 2. Samuel, the Bible says, heard the voice of the Lord call his name. It was not a feeling. It was not peace. It was not just a sensing. Samuel heard that voice so clearly, he went to Eli and says, here I am. And he came back three times. And the third time he said to Eli, surely you called me. Maybe I was dreaming the first time. Maybe I had too much pizza the second time. But this third time, I heard that voice so clearly. And it sounded like your voice that I know you called me. And Eli said, ah, okay, you're not just hearing things. The only person who could have spoken to you with my voice must be the Lord. We see the same here with Ananias. Pad surely. The same thing with Ananias. Ah, mm, mm, mm. I feel an anointing in this room. Somebody will hear the voice of the Lord this week. And Ananias responded and said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And look at the specificity. Look at the specificity. Look at the clarity of the statement that follows. Look at the clarity of the statement that follows. Someone say, arise. Someone say, arise. Doesn't this sound interestingly like the word of the Lord in this season? Arise. Go into the street. That is called what? Straight. And inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Ladies and gentlemen, peace cannot tell you this. That a man can hear God so clearly. A man who is not called a prophet. The Bible calls him a what? 
disciple. Let's look at this. Look, see, look, 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 look. Look at verse 10. There was a certain, certain what? Disciple. God is very clear to show us that the only qualification for this level of prophetic acumen is being a disciple. Not a prophet, not an apostle, not an evangelist, not a fivefold gift. Disciples hear God this way. Somebody say disciples hear God clearly. Jesus said my sheep, not my shepherds, not my pastors, not my bishops. My sheep hear my voice. A certain disciple had God speak to him in a vision and give him clarity. Name of the street, name of the man and the fact that the man is currently praying. And then verse 12 says, Oh, while I'm talking to you, I also spoke to Paul, also in a vision. Now, in the vision Ananias heard, in Paul's vision, he saw. You see that there are diverse manners. We started with Hebrews 1. God can speak in diverse manners. So, God told Paul via a picture. But it was clear it was a man not a woman the man's name was Ananias and the man laid his hands on him God now Paul is a brand new believer in fact Paul's not even a believer yet the more mature disciple has more than just vision he hears words because Paul saw this Ananias you must duplicate exactly what Paul saw Ananias then answers in the vision. So this is not just a picture. It is an interactive one. Ananias responds back to God and says, I have heard many things about this man. <laughs> How much evil he's done. And he came here to arrest us. I ain't doing this, Lord. Like Jonah, I am not preaching to Nineveh. I want them to die. The Assyrians have been horrible to my people. And the Lord said unto him, Go your way, for he's a chosen vessel, listen, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings. Verse 16. Ah! For I will show him how great things he must suffer. For. In essence, this guy is going to be able to speak to me so clearly that I will even inform him of the trouble he will see in his future. This was a brand new believer and a disciple. No bishops or prophets in this picture. Naomi, you got it. There is no partiality in who can hear God. So Shay, to answer your question, this is one of the ways that spirits speak even though they don't speak English. One of the ways. Visions and dreams. But there's six or seven others. We'll look at that next week. Need I go further? Tony says we start at six next week because of time. <laughs> well, if you want to stand up here for three hours, be my guest. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is your birthright. Asha, and I feel the Holy Ghost. Lift your hands. Let's stop there for tonight. Lift your hands and pray with me. Say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Say, Lord, I am your sheep. I want to hear your voice. Come on, pray, pray, pray. I refuse to live another day. Lord, I refuse to live another moment of my life bereft of the faculty of hearing the Lord. Pray, pray, pray. Lord, in this season of Bokar, activate the faculties of my receptors in the spirit that I may be able to communicate with you as the men of your word and church history did. As, uh, as the patriarch Moses prayed, that all God's people, not some, Father, activate my faculties. How does a man hear God say that the month of June specifically will be a transition month into Bukhar? I'm telling you, that was not, that was not quote-unquote faith. It wasn't quote-unquote peace. I'm telling you, you can hear the word of the Lord louder and more clearly than the voice you hear through this microphone. Yes, there is a price to pay. Yes, it is a skill to be taught. Yes, it is a consecration level that must be maintained. But it is possible. It is latent in the technology of every disciple of God. Lift your voice and pray with me somebody. Father, would you activate tonight? And for those of us who already have the privilege, would you shift us to another level of insight and clarity, another frequency in the spirit. Lord, let us be tuned to what the spirit is saying expressly in our days. Give us the ear of the learned. We're going to look at that next week, the ear of the learned. The ear of the learned. There, there is an education, a learnedness in hearing from the Lord. But just as every child can hear on day one, it takes a while to understand what they hear. Every believer can hear on day one. In fact, one of the tests performed for a child is the ability to hear. Science tells us children cry when they are born for three reasons. The sudden change in temperature, the sudden change in light, and the sudden change in volume. Scripture would say, let he that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying. Let he that has an ear hear. Father, I lift up my voice tonight. For myself and my brethren in the spirit. Let the desire of Moses come to pass in our generation. Let the promise of Joel come to pass. Let the pattern throughout New and Old Testament not die out in our days. Let there not fail from the surface of the earth men and women with the capacity and the discipline 
to hear expressly what the Lord is saying. Would you reveal yourself to us, preacher included, in ever-increasing dimensions? Will you tune our ears like that of the learned in ever-increasing frequencies of clarity? Speak, Lord, like Eli told Samuel, for your servant is listening. For the issue is not, we never got there today because of time, but the issue is not that he is not speaking or that we cannot hear him. The issue is not hearing, it is listening. Teach us to listen that we may process what we hear. Teach us to connect with the frequency of heaven's station and download words and pictures and clarities and burdens and diamond directions to build altars that license the voice of heaven in the earth put your hand on your ear everybody say God open the ear of my spirit open the eyes of my spirit open the faculties of my reception speak Lord speak Lord your servant is listening and will obey speak 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 raise a generation the Bible says blessed are the people that hear the joyful sound blessed are the people that hear the joyful sound shinala no sata kila no rokoto toto John 8 47 says blessed or whoever sorry is of God hears the word of God not the graphe the logos the person we are of you in this season we will hear Yeshua we give you thanks and praise in Jesus name somebody put those hands together for a worthy God tonight put those hands together for a worthy God tonight So we're back next week at the Quorum for part two. And among other things, we begin to talk about the seven or eight ways that God speaks. And of those eight ways, seven of them are ways that every spirit speaks. There's only one that is 
bespoke to the king spirit um for those of you who don't know that's why we're broadcasting on two different channels for the quorum tonight we are now almost in the middle of a seven-day consecration journey for pentecost the brightness of our rising we started on monday we finish on sunday every day at 12 noon in the afternoon and 7 p.m in the evening we gather to pray today is the quorum but every other day rather than teaching we're praying we prayed on monday and tuesday night we'll be praying tomorrow and friday night and on fridays and sun and tuesdays as normal but also especially for every consecration journey uh we come also at 11 p.m for two hours to press the last consecration journey this was a miracle and deliverance service this time it is a forum for pursuit of the fullness we are saying god let everything i was born to be manifest in this season let me emerge into the fullness of all i was designed to be and so join us tomorrow and friday 12 noon 7 p.m but on friday as well at 11 p.m on saturday somebody say bagan we're here for the forge 12 hours oh you will hear god on saturday by the time we're done the channels of your ears will open you will shift into an energy level where the voice of god is normal 10 a.m to 10 p.m uk time mark your calendars and your calendar your schedules whatever time zone you're you are if you can get to london come down to the studio a, a small number of us can get in here but everybody else even if you can't get here you join us online and see let, let me say this even if you can't get here physically carve out saturday to seek god virtually don't, don't don't be listening in while do, no have your own forge at home call in fact gather a few of your friends and do your own 12 hours of prayer as you connect online maximize the environment and of course on sunday for the general assembly at 3 p.m that you say till 6 30 we're here as well as we bring the consecration journey to a close if you want to give a tithe and offering, if you support Kingdom Culture in any way, you're one of our financial partners. If you want to give to anything we do, the Prayer Culture Apostolic Hub, the Pastoral Support Fund, our orphanage in Kenya, and soon to be in Northern Nigeria, any of the things we do, or you just want to give a gift to, to what we're doing here in the Kingdom, our media outreach, the details are on your screen. I guarantee you this is good ground. May I crack a joke and say, hear the voice of the Lord as he asks you, to consider how to partner with what we are doing it's been amazing to spend god's spend time with you in god's presence next week we come back for part two on how to hear god let someone know share this video with someone take it upon yourself the bible says god gave the word great was the company that published it take it upon yourself to broadcast what God is doing here at the Quorum and a kingdom culture as a whole. To the ends of the earth, hear the undiluted word and counsel of God. In our season of Bukhar, let's take advantage of an open heaven and trust God to amplify his voice through us. See everybody tomorrow. And remember, we're fasting and praying. So as usual, stay off unnecessary dopamine stimulation conversation entertainment tv all those things take time to seek god and press into him till he makes himself known